and welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Beyer. And I'm Len Foote. And welcome to the program. You are listening live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, the eerily quiet studios in Woodridge, Illinois. Oboe stuff going on, so she's not home. Right. So it's a perfect setting for our topic tonight. Because I just felt a little chill there <laughs> when I heard the silence uh, in the uh, home studios. And that is a perfect setting for our discussion tonight. Tonight we are discussing the movies and the career of the famed horror director, John Carpenter. And here to assist us with that is that noted horror authority and John Carpenter expert, uh, well-known throughout the Midwest for his uh, great thoughts and uh, speakings on this topic. Speakings. Known for his speakings. Yes. We welcome my brother, Matt Byer, back to the program, uh, uh, Jag Bag's mainstay and ratings grabber. This is basically we're in sweeps uh, month and we need to... (laughs) So yeah, absolutely Matt, great, great Matt, to welcome, be back. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, to get the listeners in for the holidays. Thanks. And You're nothing draws nothing draws them in better than me talking about John Carpenter. Oh, I get right. that. Okay, get kids. That. Now that we're done unwrapping the presents, <laughs> let's listen to some takes on the fog. Wait, Matt Byer is talking about Big Trouble in Little China. Turn it up. Turn it up. <laughs> you'll get your batteries later (laughs) we can just we don't have to put up the tree now we'll do it later Mm -hmm. um so uh so matt and i are carpenter fans len maybe not so much maybe more hit and miss for you Would, would, would you say that that's accurate yes I think his career has been kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah, no doubt about it. He's had a very interesting career. And I think when he's good, he's very good. And when he's bad, he's to me, he's at least interesting. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we'll talk. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk some of our favorite movies. He's made about 18 or 19 movies in total. We're not going to go over all of them. We're going to we're going to go through probably we're going to pick out about nine of his most well-known and maybe not necessarily your favorites, Jagbags listeners. So if you came here for an in-depth discussion of Village of the Damned, sorry. <laughs> not going to get it. Ghosts of Mars or The Ward we're not talking about those movies. Well, well, Len and I will be releasing that through Regency uh, on a different <laughs> oh, podcast. Oh, oh, get right into it. <laughs> we, we weren't even lasting five minutes before the, the knife is plunged and twisted. Well, that's great. Yes, good. Talk about that on your separate podcast. I look forward to listening to that. It's going to be great. It's yeah. going to be great. You know, uh, but uh, Len, your take on um, John Carpenter, the ups and downs, the hits and misses, that's part of my draw to him, similar to my draw to Nick Cage. 
I got a, I got a, I got a solid love affair of Nick Cage for the very same reason. <laughs> you know, I love. You don't know what you're gonna get. You never know what you're gonna get, <laughs> but someone who is not afraid, clearly not afraid to take some risks. So when That's, was it like? Okay, so when did you? Like, do you remember the first John Carpenter movie you saw? And when did you say like, so that's question one. And then question two is, when did you say, okay, John Carpenter rules and I'll, I'll watch anything he does. Yeah. I, I, um, I don't think I even really dialed in on John Carpenter specifically for years you know, I remember watching Halloween the first time. Yeah. And just, I mean, how truly terrified I was because of the fact that it wasn't this overly glorified or overproduced slasher movie, you know, with all the blood and guts. It was really just the tension that was built. And I know I'm sure we'll touch on the music, but he was, he cr really created a genre like kind of the synthesizer, slow, like, you know, simple melody, repetitive melodies kind right. of lurking in the background of, of his films. And I, I remember Halloween. I remember where I was. I remember hiding, um, <laughs> you know, behind pillows, watching it. Um, and that was really, that was really the first movie. And I think it probably was, you know, whenever the realization I had that he also did big trouble in little China. And I was like, Whoa, wait a second. John Carpenter's doing all this. Yeah. Um, that's when I kind of, and, and then quite honestly, what really came as an idea, uh, you know, being a, a Jag bags listener and a fan, I think I threw a, an idea out on, oh, you should do something on John Carpenter, <laughs> to which Mike, you respond, great, we'll have you on and you can talk about it. And I was like, oh, you know, okay. That's, and how, then much, it's, that's how much you're in the in the circle of trust. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then as I start doing a little more uh, research into John Carpenter, I kind of uncover uh really just how much of a true artist he is i mean a true true creative which you know i mean he is a, you know comp composer director writer producer i mean he's he's really has done it all and his best work is typically the ones that he's writing and directing himself and 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 scoring the music but you know which to me is regardless of the output he's had enough enough of them that land that you know, you gotta, you gotta give them credit. Hey, if you're making, I mean, if you make nine movies and I don't know, just nine movies alone that were box off that did pretty well at the box office. I mean, um, the Halloween, uh, escape from New York, uh, Starman. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, those are movies like you don't get to make another movie unless you're profitable and are making money. You know, I don't know like if the thing was a big hit at the time, I suspect that it was kind of like, no, if the thing was kind of a flop, I, there was an article when I was doing research with my staff. Yeah. Yeah, sure. We yes. did a 72 hour straight carpenter marathon and <laughs> Blade Runner and The Thing both were flops and those are both really revered movies now. 
Yeah, they came out at the same yeah, that and then Wrath of Khan. Those three movies came out at the same time as E.T. Yeah, 82. And E.T. just stole the show. Right. And so three Wrath movies, of Khan, I think, was a hit. Well, I, you know, three movies that really kind of when you look back on them were are pretty iconic for their for different reasons. Um, but none of them were everybody was just talking about E.T. At the time. I right. saw E.T. E. on my birthday with a bunch of guys, you know, Beef, Dan, Scott Martinson, Ernie and all them. And for some reason, we were walking from the theater because we were old enough to drive or anything. Scott Martinson throws a pop way up in the air and it soaks me. <laughs> so I'm walking home from E.T. soaked. <laughs> it's like coke all over me. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice birthday <laughs> great memories yeah <laughs> um well i know that um uh i know that uh escape from new york was a giant hit mm -hmm. that they, they cost them six million to make and and that movie made 25 million so so it mystifies me I mean, it's crazy how, um, you know, we'll get into that a little more. Um, so Len, you know, you, was there like a movie that, um, I mean, did you even like have an opinion? Did you say like Carpenter makes schlocky movies or, you know, like when did you form an opinion of Carpenter and say he's either this or that? Or Dad, you're not really even given his career much thought. No, I've I've given it. I mean, obviously Halloween, yeah, and Elvis, which we're going to talk about in a minute, probably right, right. Christine, Starman, Prince of Darkness, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I'd seen all those. Yep. But like, he kind of disappeared after that, though. So for, for most of he from seventy six to eighty eight, he made a movie almost every year. And then he didn't do another movie for four years. He kind of dropped out after that. So it's kind of, he's just mainly a director of the eighties. Right. So I don't think there was enough to go on, I guess. Cause he, I mean, he's got enough, but I didn't have like a strong opinion on him. It wasn't like, Oh, if they said, this is a John Carpenter movie, I'm going to go see it because he didn't, he wasn't even really that active in the nineties. He made movies. He made some movies. He made, uh, I just don't think they did. He did escape from LA, uh, in the mouth of madness, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which is, which is a good movie. Um, I really liked it. Um, uh, village of the damned, which went nowhere. Um, few others. I think there was one, there was a Mars movie and that's what sunk his career. Um, and then he made one more, The Ward. He's made one movie in the last 20 years, and that's The Ward. Yeah, that was like 2000 or something, right? Uh, I think 2010. 2010. Yeah. yeah. And uh, did, you, did you guys ever see The Ward? I actually did, without even realizing it was John Carpenter directing it. What did you think of The Ward? Uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was everything I expected it to be. I exactly. wouldn't say it was, it was horrible, <laughs> uh, but... You know, when you 
you know, now that I realized John Carpenter was behind the helm, had I, had I gone in realizing that I probably would have had higher expectations and been a little more critical as a result of it. Cause it was well, just like, kind of a, like, I know what you did la last summer type of flick. Right. Right. You know, and there are like, um, you know, there are Carpenter touches. He does a lot of like, what I like about Carpenter and I, you know, we'll get into it in a little more, but what I like about him as a director, as a director, he does these like really slow kind of pans, you know, and that really like builds tension in a scene. Like he'll start the camera on one end of a room and he'll go very slowly to another and, or, or there's like jump scares. He likes to do jump scares. That's what scares the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so you can see like little touches of Carpenter in the ward, but I agree with you. Oh, as overall, I'm like not top 10 Carpenter. Yeah. Sure. You know, my, um, my thought on Carpenter, same as you, man, I saw Halloween and yeah, that was scarring. Um, I had to sleep with like with the lights on, you know, in my bedroom up in the third floor, like they all were on and I had to check for killers before I went to sleep mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. went on for a while. That's that was the effect of Halloween on me for sure. And, um, and to, to the point that I was afraid to see Starman, um, because I was like, I, you know, it's so <laughs> Jeff Bridges is going to kill me. Right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, what's I, you can't, you can't trust Karen Allen. Two of the most likable actors of all time. No way. I went in. <laughs> They're going to actually kill me. Went in with my guard up. And, um, but that, uh, which is, they, uh, we'll get into Starman uh, some more too. But um, I really didn't become a fan until I got into the factory. And there were a lot of Carpenter fans that were like, oh, you haven't seen the thing? You've got to see that movie. You yeah, and, and I would say he has an ability to create quality out of the absurd. I yeah. mean, if you really look at The Thing, I mean, that movie was, I think The Thing is probably the best movie he's done uh, because it's complex enough that you've got a lot of, you know, characters. It's that whole paranoia game, like sci-fi paranoia. And they've done that a lot of times over over in the years it's kind of like invasion of the body snatchers you don't know who's who i don't know who to trust is this really the right person i'm talking to or is this an alien but then there's there's certain scenes in it that like when they they uh they get the defibrillator i don't know last time you saw it but there's a scene so this is when you think about it, the thing is from like 1980 early 80s yep and there's this doctor who's going to give this guy a defibrillator and right before the paddles touch his stomach opens up as a yeah. mouth and just bites his arms off. And yeah. like in terms of a jump scare, had no idea that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is great, full of two that. great ones in there. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the blood scene too. That was great. Shocking. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like who tainted the blood. It was. Oh yeah. Very, I mean, that, very suspenseful. Yeah, very suspenseful, and you know the the paranoia is uh, also. I think it was the best cast out of all the Carpenter movies. Like just Wilford Brimley, yeah, yeah Russell, that's, mm -hmm. 
Keith David, Donald Moffat. My, he's my favorite. He's the one. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, but when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He and and Carpenter's pretty good with humor. Like he injects an appropriate amount of humor in his he movies. Um, that I think is kind of well, I mean, you know. Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, what a great movie. What a great movie. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Let's get, let's go into, and what we're going to do, the way we're going to organize this, we got excited, yeah. started talking movies right away. Yeah. The way, let's, we're going to talk about Carpenter's more prominent movies, and we're going to break it down, and we're going to say, is this a good movie? Is this a not so good movie? Or is this a great movie? Okay. And, uh, and then we'll just give our reasons and we'll just we'll just let the discussion go from there. And I thought we'd go chronologically, um, just based on um, you know, just you know, just so you know, nobody can accuse me of like starting off, you know, favoritism. Favoritism, right. Pushing so, an agenda. Exactly. That's what Regency is always talking about. That's the flaw. I'm just going to stay there. <laughs> when we were in our scrap dinner, me, Matt, and Regency earlier today, our 4.30 dinner, he did bring that up, Beef. Yeah. Try not to push your agenda all the time. And, and the other interesting idea was that we would um, use some of the music of Haim as the intro. <laughs> for our <laughs> Podcast has taken a sinister turn. Appropriately. I am truly filled with horror <laughs> at the mention of though they whose name must never be will never pass my lips. They should I'm not be hanged. Don't be ashamed. <laughs> so the first movie we <laughs> is the 1976 classic Assault on Precinct 13. And uh, this is a movie that uh, is about an unlikely partnership between a highway patrol officer, two criminals and a station secretary, which must come together to defend a defunct LA precinct office against a siege by a bloodthirsty street gang written and directed by John Carpenter starring uh, Austin Stoker and Lori Zimmer. Um, and uh, the, uh, I love the tagline, which reads the gang that swore a blood oath to destroy precinct 13 and every cop in it. Um, I mean, that, that's the, uh, and above it, it says a white hot night of hate. It was the original purge. Oh, <laughs> so uh, uh, assault on precinct thirteen, also featuring Kim Richards, uh, the Disney uh, vixen, um, and uh, so. Uh, what uh what's our thoughts on assault on precinct 13. um i i uh i'll go first yeah um i will call this 
good carpenter. Um, I really liked it. I think it's a cut below his best work, but um, you know, you see a lot of his themes coming out. Um, you know, isolation. You know, these guys are trapped, and there's the bad guys are outside, and they're trying to get in, and um, and it's also kind of topical, kind of ripped from the headlines a little bit. You know, cops, uh, you know, bad cops fighting a, you know, street gangs, and um, and so uh, and it's just it's a, basically just an action movie, and I don't think he'd mastered you know his craft just yet, but. As far as like an action movie that moves along, I definitely enjoyed it. Some good kills, good action sequences. Yeah, I I, I agree. I thought it was a good movie, you know, and it's, <clears throat> you'll also notice as we continue to run down the list, uh, John Carpenter has been very successful in getting his movies remade, which uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is, is an example of, which means he's got all the right elements, um, and and to your point, it's kind of like before he started getting into the, the slasher horror movies, he really was kind of um, honing that tension build, which, right. which Precinct 13 was successful on. And when he was really, I think his music um, and kind of his composership was, um, you know, a big part of that. Uh, so I uh, I thought it was good. I agree. I thought it was good. But not great. Yeah, I wouldn't put it up in his top tier of of films. Um, Len, what's your uh, thoughts on Assault on Precinct? I didn't see that. It sounds like a movie I, I've seen, but I don't think I did see that one. I mean, it's really, uh, I mean, it's pretty, um, you know, kind of by the book, you know, um, you know, just kind of an action, uh, more of an action movie than uh, horror um uh type of flick but i mean it moves along and it's uh it's like an enjoyable kind of like pulp kind of movie yeah. yeah it's simple it's a simple movie you know it wasn't um it clearly wasn't a big budget as most of his movies especially early movies represent um but it was uh i i thought i thought it was effective in, in what it did using clearly the resources that he had available to him. It's inter it's interesting because he, he talked about, even though it's not really a horror um, movie, he taught Carpenter would talk about, um, you know, how night of the living dead was a big influence on this movie because, you know, they really don't talk. They just, they come from everywhere. You can't kill them. There's like, there's too many of them and they, um, so almost kind of this dehumanized type of, uh, you know, invaders. And, uh, so even though, like I said, it's not a, um, uh, you know, it's not a horror movie for sure. It's, it's definitely has influences. Yeah. And, and is a little bit of a cult classic. I mean, as Definitely. as any of his movies that are worth noting are have these cult followings, and and that certainly uh, falls in that class. Assault on Precinct Thirteen has a huge uh, cult following. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, the uh, and then the next movie, 
um, uh, is of course Halloween. And so, so let's get into that. Um, and we talked about it a little bit, Len, let's, let's, let's uh, start with you. What was your, what's your take on Halloween? Is it? Yeah. Halloween's great. Good or great? I think Halloween's great. Yeah. There's so many things he does in that. And some of them we've, we've mentioned a little bit, like his music and also just the use of light, I guess, like the neighborhood and that kind of feeling like you're walking around and it's everybody's in the shadows and you don't know what's going to happen. And the, the jump scares, which is, and that movie's really good, but then there's 4,000 movies after that that do it poorly. So he, <laughs> he makes this great movie and then everybody else tries to rip it off and does a horrible job at it. Right. And I think the cast in this is good too. Jamie Lee Curtis, Pleasance. He's they're great. really, really believable. Like Pleasance is he's great. Super just like serious and you believe every word out of his mouth. Yes. And you're rooting for Jamie Lee Curtis. And it's but again, it unfortunately sets up all these horrible movies after it, like the yeah. one teenager movies. Yeah. Which is what? which is too bad because I feel like some people might not go watch it then because they're like, ah, oh, I've seen this movie. Yeah. No, this is the good one. You should watch <laughs> this one. Like people that are a lot younger than us, you know, they're well, like, well, oh, I, this is like Friday the 13th. Or I have something. to wonder if we're thinking about the career of John Carpenter, to what extent he was getting any royalties off of all of those movies. That's um, a great question. Because, I mean, that alone is enough to ride out a career on i mean just to make enough of a of a, a platform for lack of a better term on of just making a scary scary movie i mean they could make halloween's forever but yeah, yeah the he's one... written i noticed he only directed the first one though right yeah and, yeah and but then he wrote a couple other ones yeah he was involved like if you look at his actual filmography he was involved in i think the second and third one yeah. to some extent and then these most recent ones, but you know, films. Have you four, guys seen any of the other one. ones? This, Halloween's the only one I've seen. I haven't seen any of the sequels. I've seen the most recent ones. Yeah. The one that was in 2018 was pretty good. I liked that one. Was this it? this most recent one was um was a little bizarre. I just refused. I after a while, I was just like, you know, just can't can't we move on? Yeah. Can't we um so no, but, I, yeah, mind. but but if you focus on the first film, I think there are a couple of things. A, the fact that the mask—you guys know who the mask is. It's the William Shatner mask. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So if you think about, it, I'm a I'm the writer director. This is kind of my brainchild. That the fact that he's making a call like that, which when you compare it to um, Friday the Thirteenth and Jason or or Freddy Krueger and and Nightmare on Elm Street, like just the, the 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 plainness of it is is most terrifying to me when compared to some of those other iconic um villains from those slasher movies of the 80s and i think that's cool and what he did in the first one was that point of view from jason so it's kind of like through the eyes of the mask and and so that walking around um that you were just referencing len like 
that to me was um, a, a unique approach to it that built into that tension. Cause now you're like, you're like, you're seeing through the killer's eyes and it's all very slow paced. It's all so slow paced and it's just part of that tension build. Yeah, I, I think the great really elements. Yeah. yeah. The great horror movies, you still remember that feeling when you first saw it. Cause you mentioned invasion of the body snatchers. I saw that when I was probably in high school or I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> I went and saw it. The 1978 one, I went and saw it in this, in the theater. And when we got out, it was dark. There's hardly <laughs> anyone out there. I was like, I want to, I wanted to run home. <laughs> so, <laughs> terrified. And Halloween, I just, I just think about it and I'm like, yeah, that, that is, it just got, it gets to you. Yeah. You know, there's some great, it's also simple, but it builds like, you guys, I agree with the whole, like, how it, it's a slow build and um, just great tension building throughout, you know, as we get closer. And and just the fact that it's Halloween and there's, like, wind blowing. Like, wind is scary. Yeah. And leaves blowing around, that, that that really creates, like, a real mood. Yeah. And then, yeah, the classic type of Halloween night. Classic. Yeah. Michael Myers never runs. Never runs. <laughs> well, that's the other part too. And he's the boogeyman. Yeah. I mean, that's it really, it's the boogeyman. So it's all our secret fears, you know, guys hiding behind bushes or staring up at you and then gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And coming back later. Um, just that whole, uh, to me, this one of the scariest parts of the movie is when they're, walk the girls are walking down the street and you all of a sudden he comes out from the bush yeah it's like middle of the day right yeah just steps out this creepy dude in a mask yeah and then oh man yeah (laughs) Yeah. in this like nice suburban yeah uh it just lets you it lets the audience know what's coming (laughs) (laughs) and that's scary enough and in the ending, and I don't think I'm, I'm really don't think I'm giving any spoiler alerts, but <laughs> the ending when Donald Pleasance like walks, you know, to see the dead body and it is gone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was the first, yeah, he invented oh, that oh. horror movie trope right there. The, he's, they're still alive. Yeah. They're not really yeah. dead. Yeah. I, I, is that true? I mean, I, that probably is, he's probably one of the forefathers if he didn't actually I think so. I don't. I don't, I don't know any, I mean, I'm not a horror movie expert, but I feel I, like he's, he set up so much stuff. Yeah. With, yeah. With I, I, think, I think that that is a classic fifties kind of horror movie trope. Um, uh, because the, um, because I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was like a fifties movie. And it would say, you know, at the end of every movie it would say the end. And then there's like a question mark you know, <laughs> that would appear next to and okay so, so maybe maybe so in that was, tradition but okay, i think so you're right he was influenced by that i think so i think so and he just uh, modernized it that yeah. movie cost three hundred thousand dollars to make it's and amazing it, and it made 47 million dollars it's amazing because it looks so good ultimate investment yeah, I think Jamie Lee Curtis made like seven or eight thousand dollars, probably. Yeah, everybody. I, I I think the Pleasance was the most. He 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 made the most money on it. 
which was like 40K. Because everything is in $1980. Yeah. Or $78. Mm -hmm. You know, in the research that I did uh, with Alex, who is resting comfortably now, mm. um, we, uh, I, I do, I, I do have an update on Alex, but I won't, I, I don't want to derail the uh, podcast here. That's its own podcast, which I guess I'll do alone. <laughs> Regency despises Alex. I know. He shakes his cutlery when you mention his name. Right. Knife left hand, fork right hand. Every time. It's always the same thing. That's a part of Alex's therapy, uh, guys. <laughs> Just know you've broken a man. Uh, cause him to run nude in the streets. Um, anyway. Nothing uh, to do with me. It had to do with your babying of him. Whatever helps you sleep at night. <laughs> um, but uh, he cast... Uh, the only reason he was able to get Donald Pleasance for like a song was because Donald Pleasance's daughter was like, yes, you have to do this movie. That's the guy who directed Assault on Precinct 13. One of the <laughs> finest movies ever made. You have to do it, Dad. He's like, oh, my God. It all feeds into each other. Fine. <laughs> Maybe it was a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Pleasance's daughter thought so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Uh, the, uh, the next movie, um, that, uh, he, and we won't, we'll pause, uh, briefly. All right, let, let's do this now. Let's pause briefly because he did in 1979, he did the made for TV movie Elvis mm. starring Kurt Russell as Elvis also with Shelly Winters as his mom. And, uh, this movie is worth uh, talking about. Season Hubley uh, as his as Priscilla, and uh, Ed Begley Jr. as his drummer. I mean, come on, this is an all star cast. Uh, Ellen Travolta as the um, uh, secretary <laughs> at the record label who uh, wow. gives Elvis his shot. But uh, this movie's like it's okay. Carpenter just directed it; he did not write it, but. Kurt Russell is outstanding in this movie. He is great. Um, and uh, and Len, I know you have a story about Elvis. Yeah, I never saw Elvis. I think you can see it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I think you can also like buy the DVD on Amazon if you uh, to put play in my DVD player. Yes. Yeah, it was a TV, <laughs> it was a TV movie. It's almost three hours long. Right. And I loved it. I haven't watched it since, but this was back when TV only had three networks. Yeah. And it was on Sunday night. And it was, I remember, I don't know why we decided to watch Elvis. It was One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest, Gone with the Wind, and Elvis. And we watched Elvis. And I'm like, this is the greatest. And I loved it. But I mean, I haven't watched it since then. Well, I remember it was shocking for its time because it came out, I was, you know, 10 years old. And I remember being shocked because he had just died. And so they were making all kinds of, you know, kind of, I mean, he was still like huge. And Kurt Russell's a big star. And to play Elvis is kind of like, this is the story. And I remember thinking like, this is the behind the scenes 
Elvis. This is the Elvis you <laughs> know. Because I remember the trailer of Elvis sitting there, you know, with his big, you know, glasses and uh, yeah. he's watching the TV and they're talking about how great the Beatles are. And Elvis takes out his gun and like, <laughs> blasts the TV. The TV goes, <laughs> and I was like, I've got Elvis just shot the TV. I've got to see this movie. Yeah, that might have been part of the reason why I loved it is just learning about Elvis. Right. Um, it's I saw it. It was on YouTube. I'm not sure if it's on YouTube anymore. And I watched it and it's great up until his mom dies. It, it's to me, it's great. And then the sixties, you know, he, he meets Priscilla and he does a lot of movies. And uh, that part is God awful boring. It is so boring. And then he is eclipsed and he's no longer a big star. And then he does his comeback and that part's okay, but Kurt Russell is just so awesome because now we have Russell in his white jumpsuits and the black leather, and Kurt Russell is fantastic as Elvis. I mean, just chewing scenery and, um, you know, every scene he's in, you know, he improves the movie uh, 100%. Um, well, and clearly uh, that's when he and Carpenter created a relationship because right. he's in countless other movies and, and typically successful ones of his. That's absolutely right. Yeah, I would call this movie good. I wouldn't say great. Mm. I loved it, but that was when I was 13. Right. And stop ruining my memories of this wonderful night of my Yeah, years. I would recommend you not watch it. Again, Len, I I used to love Miami Vice when I was a kid. I'd come in from summer nights. I'd be like, guys, I got to go. Miami Vice is on. And then like six or seven years ago, I I figured they were doing some special and I watched a couple episodes. I Actually, I shouldn't say a couple. I think I watched one. I'm like, this whole show is horrible. I can't believe I loved it as much as I did. You know, uh, you know, Matt, um, yeah. You know, Philip Michael Thomas is a regular listener and uh, <laughs> writes in jag bags quite a bit because, and the reason, first of all, he's weeping. My fax machine is now just. Uh, oh my gosh, back. I can hear it grinding. Yeah. <laughs> from Philip, from Philip Michael, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, Beav, first of all, you have a co host who has never seen a single episode of Miami Vice, <laughs> not one. He has never watched it ever. Now we have a, you bring on a guest. <laughs> I'm just reading right now from the specs. We're now called <laughs> my, my work of art. <laughs> Horrible. He faxes very quickly, PMT. PMT <laughs> is ready. He's firing off those facts. Uh, uh, maybe I should rephrase it. It didn't age well. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> didn't age well. Yeah, PMT, PMT is a Jag Bags Diamond listener, so he gets he really, this live. He really yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, one of these days, he thinks Len will just, he'll turn on that TV. <laughs> he'll just go and just watch one episode, just one, and uh, and decide for himself. It never happens. Never happens. Um, but uh, but we digress. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the I'm, next- curious, I'm curious if any of our Jag Bags listeners have watched Elvis and loved it like I did. I know it was a huge uh, favorite of uh, our, uh, also a, a guest, Scott Oaken, um, enormous favorite of his. 
Um, and uh, and another Nick DeGilio, who I know listens secretly uh, every weekend <laughs> as well. Um, I, I know he loved all many that. secret listeners. Uh, there are probably we're tracking that. you. <laughs> you are sophisticated. We have uh, Regents D is installing a new satellite. Yeah, it and pings we're different. Track all it, our it, listeners, it pings fax machines. <laughs> and you well, know. <laughs> It's grounded in the past and the future. So when our big advertising campaign comes in, we're going to know where to, what we're going to, yeah. um, what we're going to plug. Definitely Mr. Pid. But the research has begun. <laughs> this is exciting. Yep. All right, guys, we've got to move on. We're only up to movie number four. Uh, the next movie is The Fog, 1980. Starring well, the delightful Adrian Barbeau. Let me say real quick, I did not see this. So you guys tell me if I should watch it. Well, let's wax poetic on the fog. Mike, I'm going to go first. Go. I'm going to say this movie was good. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'll say is it's hard because Halloween was so great that then it comes in after that and everyone's expecting it. It was not as good as Halloween because Halloween was great. Uh, but I thought the fog was effective. It made a character out of the fog. Yeah. And he did a lot of those big sweeping shots and you'd see the fog rolling in. And again, it was kind of, you know, you're, you're not even really showing a villain. It's just, it's just fog. <laughs> well inside are killers with hooks yeah yeah you okay. kind of give little glimpses of them but it, i mean there's zombie know. there's zombie ghost they're ghosts inside the fog and they spoiler alert yeah. <laughs> i hate to uh you know uh ruin me yeah and adrian <laughs> barbeau from her uh, radio station tower yes. keeping everyone alert uh you know not as good not as clean um, but I think in terms of his body of work, it's, uh, it probably is, uh, it doesn't get the credit that, uh, that it would, it could, uh, because it was overshadowed by Halloween, but again, another remake, the fog. Yeah. I, that was like 2005 or something. They did. Yeah, a remake. yeah. I really, I didn't see the, uh, I didn't see the pretty remake. good too. The, the remake's pretty good. Yeah. I thought that it's a ghost story. I mean, it's just it's a it's a it's a classic ghost story. Yeah, and uh, you know, they set it up, you know, a hundred years ago. Yeah, these they were wronged. They yeah. were wronged. It was a leper colony. They were going to set up a <laughs> leper colony, and the ship sunk following the fog. And uh, no one can believe the, the serious fogness. I love it too, like because Carpenter uses the music like when the fog rolls in. It's like the 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 um the music starts kind of light and then builds as the fog gets closer thicker yeah <laughs> like the fog is glowing yeah yeah that's right um but uh i agree with you i think it's good I, it's very well done and it's very well constructed and it's got all the you know lines that are you know, it's written in a way that's like classic horror, but not over the top. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, it, it kind of it is and it isn't like, you know, th this 
this man was killed just two days ago, yet his body suggests he has been dead for years and years. <laughs> no. Why is it so cold in here all of a sudden? Yeah, and I'd say that probably when you when compared to some of his other great great movies, um, it doesn't have those the lasting power or those elements that are uh, that really help it stand out. It's almost just kind of a tried and true recipe. He took some of the stuff that he liked with Halloween um, and just kind of repurposed it around the fog. So. You know, good, like well constructed, had all the elements there, and at the time, I, I think it was a you know a fairly well received movie. But I think it, did, I think it did well. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's short. That's my favorite part. It's only an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. He's got Jamie Lee Curtis. The the thing that I loved about it was the uh, relationships. Yeah. Um. So the guy who's playing like the, the the male hero, yeah. If you remember, he like picks up Jamie Lee Curtis, who he doesn't know, <laughs> and like within minutes, they're just like, "Well, we're gonna definitely get busy." <laughs> he picks up the hitchhiker. They go home and have sex. Then, then they're not showing anything. But then later, they're in bed together, and he's like, "What's your name, anyways?" <laughs> I mean, it was like those elements I loved. <laughs> like, I'm like, are you trying? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, in. are you trying to be funny, John Carpenter? Because this is hilarious. Classic seventies, <laughs> ultimate seven. She gets in and she goes, "Um, I've never hitchhiked before. Are you weird?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm weird." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's so much of that. She's like, awesome. <laughs> so weird. And they're in bed together. Oh, man. The fog. Yeah. All right. The next movie, um, we got to keep this rolling. The next movie, a year later, flush with success. He made yeah. Escape from New York. Set in the future in the year 1997. The U.S. president's plane has crashed in Manhattan, which is now a giant maximum security prison. Mm-hmm. And only one man can stop him. Breaking out is impossible. Breaking in is insane. Yeah. So they send in the only man insane enough to do it. Snake Pliskin. <laughs> <laughs> This movie is ridiculous. Yeah. And that's what makes it so great. I mean, this is a great movie. (laughs) It's a great movie because it's absurd. It's absurd. (laughs) It's terrible. I like snake Pliskin, like with a P. Yeah. So good. Russell with an eye patch. A, the fact that this movie was made. B, Kurt Russell takes the role. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and you know in terms of the vision of what he was trying to make i mean it was amazing it was amazing no, no. <laughs> you have you have donald pleasance as the president of the united states with a british accent um <laughs> you have I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> I could have gone in my backyard with a camera and made a better movie in 10 minutes. How dare you? My gosh. And and uh, Kurt Russell, I like Kurt Russell, but this is easily his worst acting performance. I think it's on Call me snake. He uses that voice only twice. 
Like you think, okay, he's going to talk like that the whole movie. He says it like that, and at the very end, for some reason, when Lee Van Cleef goes, "We could be a good team, Snake." He goes, "The name's Pliskin." <laughs> so he uses the voice twice. <laughs> like, did he forget about it? Like I'm going to say two lines in the whole movie in this weird voice. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. And Look. it looks like he had three dollars to make this movie. <laughs> everything looks like it's on a movie lot. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, scary. It's not action there's no good action scenes it's the only you know what the only thing in the movie i think is good is the the isaac hayes right hand man the kind of crazy looking guy romero romero was the only thing i was interested in all the whole movie so in in terms of this genre of film so we could look at so because it's kind of like this apocalyptic future like I, i would argue like the warriors if you've ever seen the Warriors, is kind of in the same genre, subgenre of like. Do you think that there are movies that pull this off well? I, I don't think, know if I've seen enough to judge. I think if you're going to like compare the Warriors to Escape from New York, what what movie is better? That's tough, but I'm going with the Warriors. Mm. Um, I mean, the Warriors is a great movie. Great movie, and I think it just. It's like Escape from New York is just it's I think if it's the, the movie was paced a little better, um, you know, you it's, it would be easier to ignore all the ridiculous uh, just, you know, uh, plot points and what's going on. But that's another big negative about it. It's it's like he has one day to do this and, and he's just walking around. <laughs> I got an eye patch. I'm like, your life is at stake. <laughs> He's just, I don't care. I'm Snake. Wait, I am Snake. <laughs> you know, you are, uh... <laughs> you know, that that's fair. That's fair. I Maybe I was, admittedly, I haven't rewatched that recently, but I did watch, I have seen it. Um, so maybe I'll take it from the great column and I'll, I'll um, without a more refined, eye on it uh, maybe I'll, I'll slot it under good rather than great it was i watched three your guns Matt, in the past your guns yeah yeah well if i gotta co- compare it to others i don't know if i want to be dying on a hill for escape from new york but i i love the idea of it i love everything about it just the fact he did it he got he got big actors who kind of made a name for themselves based off of this movie the the like all to your points that the way he's acting it's it's so fantastic it's almost like it's it's clearly not based in reality and i lo- i love it it's bold i i, I just kept, like i said i kept thinking did he have 10 dollars to make this movie and he's coming off all these success i mean his he had to have had a good budget for this uh, probably better than he's, he'd been used to that's for sure he made I mean, a- does he have a secret did he have a secret drug problem we don't know about? He spent it all on that and said, ah, just film everything in this alley we built for the movie. The budget was $6 million. Yeah, in uh, $1980. That's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty big. And uh, Kurt Russell uh, 
loves this. He said of all the movies that he has made over the years, his favorite movie of all time is Escape from New York. So Kurt also has a secret drug problem. And his favorite character that he loves to play the most is Snake Plissken. <laughs> he says, I can walk around doing my Clint Eastwood impersonation. Yeah, that he does twice. <laughs> the rest of the time he talks in his Kurt Russell voice. Well, and he kind of relives that in the Quentin Tarantino um, Death Proof. Right. But I he like the of, Death Proof. He kind of embodies that same vibe. He's a little more of a villain in that one, obviously, but you know, he kind of slips back into into that same type of character. He, um, you know, obviously he didn't have the money to actually shoot it in New York. This is the last thing I'll say before we move on. So the, the, all the night scenes when they're running through the streets, um, they were shooting in East St. Louis. <laughs> Not even joking. But it's, well, I don't, it's just so different than his other stuff. He didn't have any money for Halloween. That movie looks great. Mm-hmm. And this movie looks amateurish. <laughs> I think that's kind of the, I don't know. And it doesn't make any sense. Why, why did Isaac yeah. Hayes character do this? They have the president. Yeah. Why? They don't explain anything. There's no urgency. They, Harry they, Dean Stanton is just ridiculous. Well, that's <laughs> the that brain. To, that to me is kind of. You know, the, 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 in Halloween, they don't really need to like go deep into plot points because it's so simple. Whereas in the fog, kind of to our conversation previous, they gloss over these things where it's like, I'm meeting you for the first time. Uh, We're, we're introducing ourselves by name much later, but then these two characters are like, you know, working, you know, they're helping each other out. So there's these like, he glazes over these these huge, you know, elements to just move the story along, and and he's you know he's doing that same thing in Escape from New York. It's just a, a more ambitious film. The last thing I'll say about Escape from New York is that I think it's one of those movies where I when I watched it, I was like, I walked out of the movie going, "What the hell was that? <laughs> what did I just see?" And then you a go. Lot of the and- scenes remind me of those old. Did you ever watch Space Giants or mm. Johnny Sacco? No. That's what it kind of reminded me of, some of it. Yeah. But it's kind of like you think about it and, like, you know, you, you just think about all the ridiculous things that happen. You know, this, like, weird Romero walking around going. <sighs> but at least Romero had some energy. He brought some energy to the movie. Right. But, well, like, you know, Isaac Hayes driving around in a uh, Lincoln Continental with chandeliers <laughs> on both sides of the, uh, you know, like, it's, it's, when you think about it afterwards, like, you're laughing hysterically. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And well, it's, it's kind of like, that's, to me, that's the impact of the movie. Yeah. I will say it's, <laughs> I can't believe I say it's great, but it's great. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's great. I think Beeve owes me something for making me watch that movie. <laughs> That's part of the greatness is when I get. It was the last one me and my staff watched. We were sitting there enjoying our refreshments, a handful of almonds and some tap water. And we all agreed that it was not a good movie. <laughs> you know, less, many have compared their work environment to New York City in the movie Escape from New York. <laughs> That's what it's like being on Len's staff. 
<laughs> They're good almonds. Let's uh, <laughs> let's move on to the next movie from the year 1982, The Thing. And we talked about the thing a lot. I think we can all agree that this movie is belongs in the great category. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was very happy I watched it. Yeah, yeah. It and that is a movie unlike Miami Vice that has a timeless element to it. I mean, you can watch it today, and uh, you can, and because the the um, kind of the the alien itself is so fantastic when you see it. Yep. You're not necessarily bound by expectations of what you can do today with CGI versus, you know, because it's just this crazy gross thing. Yep. Um, and I think there's a timelessness to it that uh, I would argue it's his best movie. I, th- I, th- I, I would actually go as far as to say, I think the thing is his best movie. So you say it's better than Halloween. I do. I do because of the the the, the storyline and the and the character involvement and development um in the mystery whereas, of it. Yeah, Halloween doesn't have any of that. It's just a straight up it's just there to scare you, which is perfect because it's a Halloween movie. But that's that's what makes he it's just crazy that he makes this after Escape from New York, which is nonsense. <laughs> then he makes this amazing sci-fi just intense thriller with really good actors and a great script and maybe it's when he's limited in scope he's at his best yeah because that's basically like uh there's a term for it where you base everything's in one room it's not exactly one room because they do go outside a little bit but everything's so compressed yeah okay he knows this is the only things i'm working with and he can focus on everything that's involved in the movie. Cause it's so, it was, it was so good. Yeah. I was very impressed. Yeah. Now he did not write that as compared to the, all the previous movies we've discussed. He just directed it, but yeah, but the, I mean, the direction, I, yeah, I thought it was great for the suspense and everything. And the scenes we talked about earlier, the, the blood scene. And uh, what was the one you said? Uh, the stomach when these the, the doctors put the defense. Those are incredible <laughs> scenes, man. Those Dude. are jump out of the seat surprise. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you're good. like on on edge the whole movie, and the, yeah, like I said, the performances are so good. They don't yes. give you any hints that they're mm-hmm. who's yeah. actually possessed by this alien creature. Yeah. Although I read something today that they did make the eyes different. I guess if you sat down and watched it, the people whose eyes are different are the ones. Oh, that were interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But I would, I, I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't know that before I watched it. Yeah. To me, it like it has his, the things he does best. And one which is isolation. That's his he, he's big on characters that are isolated. They're like they're trapped somewhere. Um, and, you know, they, they're, so they're really out of options. And there's uh, a, a thing or a bad, you know, presence outside that's trying to kill them. And there's, and then paranoia. Yeah. And, uh, and it really amps up the, uh, you know, the paranoia in this movie because you don't know where the thing is. Um, it could be anywhere. And so you really just can't trust anyone. And, um, 
And so, and, and also I like movies that where a bunch of guys have to like kind of work together, but maybe they don't like each other in the first place. And so kind of like us playing basketball, very much. So shifting alliances, betrayals, uh, people just, you know, going nuts for no reason whatsoever, throwing a basketball at the other guy's forehead. Um, Yeah. The the same thing. Yes, exactly. Um, But that's all goes into uh, I'm going to say that Halloween is simpler. So I like it better, but the thing is like very super close one A. You know what? You know what else is a thing that he does in a lot of his movies is like shifting identities, right? Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the thing, and I think it's one of those movies that's going to grow in popularity. Um, we saw it at the Music Box on Southport. Uh, Declan and I like it was a midnight showing. Place was packed, and uh, it was awesome awesome and uh um so if if they ever if we can ever you know do that i hope they bring it back because i'd go again in a minute um really cool all right the next movie after the thing was carpenter's remake of the stephen king or his Mm. re or his reimagining or imagining of the stephen king book christine it's interesting that you know one horror giant you know, picks Christine to, you know, um, you know, as his project. Well, he falls into the trap that many, especially in the in the early days of of Stephen King adaptations, it's it is it is impossibly difficult to to remake a Stephen King book. It's tough. And I agree. And and uh, you know, he took a swing, and good for him. <laughs> but I don't think it was very good. You know, you'd say it was, I'd say it was good. I wouldn't say it was bad. I wouldn't say it was bad. Yeah. I mean, if I got to compare it to the rest of his, you know, better films, it did, it did well. Yeah. Um, you know, at the box office. So it was a moneymaker, but um, I think compared it was, it just wasn't, it didn't, it doesn't hold up to his others. I think it's the acting that kind of does them in. I, th- I think the acting is not up to snuff in this. I, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but he does. What I was most impressed with is what he did with the car. I mean, that car looked, that, that car definitely looked alive. Yeah. Yeah. For it's time. Um, Cause I watched it and I was uh, over the week and I was expecting it to the car to look fake, you know, cause it was made in 83 and, yeah. uh, it looked it looked like a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he did. Uh, there were some elements to it, I think, that were that were good. But, um, I, you know, I mean, it wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't bad. I, I just think compared to his other stuff, I probably put it on par with The Fog. Definitely. Um, you know, but it just didn't. It didn't. It doesn't hold up to me the way that that the others do. Right. And that, you know, he, he did do a pretty good job with the car, but it's still just a car driving around. Like that's, it's just a really hard, that's a really hard story to turn into a film. And I think he probably yeah. just was piggybacking on the success of the book. Yep. So he knew he'd have an audience. And, and of course, if you're in the horror genre and Stephen King is, is, you know, the, 
the the premier horror writer of of this generation and many generations he's uh you know of course you got to take a swing yeah yeah and it is a disappointment that if you have john carpenter doing a stephen king book those are two titans and christine is kind of like it's a single instead of a whole yeah 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 and that's probably that's that's probably fair in terms of how i would uh, classify it so i wouldn't say it was bad uh, no. I just I wouldn't I kind of give it like good is even I'm like yeah it was it was, it was good it was good right this, <laughs> this is another like good memories movie for me because I saw it we used to go to this theater the patio by our house we just walked there it was like second run so it was cheap so we could afford it and we saw Christine there so I have I have good memories of it because I Keith Gordon the scene where he <laughs> <laughs> he just he goes from this nerdy guy to he's like gets the slick back hair and <laughs> he slaps the guy in his face he's like make me motherfucker <laughs> his whole performance like if i watched it again i'd probably be like oh i don't know but back then and the revenge plot kind of awesome like a good revenge yeah. plot yeah i haven't revisited it just like what was the other one we talked about like this Elvis, but good memories of Christine. Um, would you, so you would say it's good. Yeah. 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 Let's move on to his next movie, which is a total departure Starman, starring Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen. Um, and, and basically this is about an alien, which takes the form of a young Wisconsin widow's husband and makes her drive him to his departure point in Arizona. But I don't think it is a departure, though. I don't think it is. It's it's nicer. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like this new identity thing. This alien takes a different type of identity. It's just nice. It's not. He's mm-hmm. not a malicious alien. Well, he learned uh, from his failings in the box office with, with the thing that audiences didn't want an evil alien they wanted a nice alien because et stole the show so he figured uh, he'd, uh, he'd dip uh, his toe into that water that water i love starman when i saw it probably when it came out in 84 have you no. guys watched it recently no i haven't i haven't did you like it when you first saw it loved it yeah yeah i loved it too not having any idea that john carpenter was the director when i watched it yeah i wonder I just, if the whole I keep with all of his movies. I'm like, will it hold up? Do these hold up? Yeah. And the thing obviously does, but I had never seen the thing before. Sometimes I want to see it because most Carpenter movies hold up for me. Yeah. Um, And they hold up. Sometimes I'll show, um, you know, them to like, you know, you know, for like kids or nephews and they dig it too. Um, And they go in very suspiciously because it's me um recommending it um not like saying, you know oh that was good and uh so uh, wait he, he liked it and i did too <laughs> right exactly what's wrong with me uh, yeah you almost i mean as far as i would think it would hold up yeah as far as things like this for me i'm always scared to watch it because i don't want to ruin the memory of how much i liked it back then. yeah but jeff bridges and I remember, I, I still remember the scenes where he's basically learning how to be a human being and like Karen Allen's helping him and everything. And, and I love both of them. 
So I, I'd be shocked if I didn't still like it. I I would be too. And uh, I'd, I'd meant to say, it's one of those movies that like, I don't want to like revisit it because what if I don't like it? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's your biggest risk. Right. Um. Anyway, so I think we're all saying that Starman, I say Starman is great. Uh, what do you guys? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Okay. The next movie from 1986, and here's where things are going to get controversial. Mm-hmm. The movie is Big Trouble in Little China. Starring Kurt Russell as a rough and tumble trucker, clashing with an ancient sorcerer in a supernatural battle beneath San Francisco's Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Starring Kurt Russell, the great James Hong, and Kim Cattrall. Yeah. Uh, this movie is great. Amazing. Glad- <laughs> Just shaking your head. No, <laughs> didn't like it. <laughs> Did not like it. All right. And I I'm think gonna... I saw it because my friends were yelling about it. Not like when it came out. I probably saw it a few years later, like on uh, VHS or something. <laughs> and I was not impressed at all. I was like, That's what you guys are yelling about? Nope. The movie is... It's one of those movies that really straddles the line of what is this? What am I watching here? Like this movie is, it's kind of interesting. And then for me, it then went, went to what is this movie? This movie is terrible. And then you just keep going like, no, but I'm having so much fun, but I'm this having movie, so much fun. This movie is amazing. Yes. <laughs> this movie is I'm like, what? You should do a rewatch and do I <laughs> the did. running dialogue and your running monologue. I yeah. did. I watched it with Declan, our brilliant sound engineer and producer, and his cousin Alistair, who um, is a movie snob. <laughs> I love my nephew. He's a brilliant, wonderful guy. But you know, if he hasn't heard of it, then this movie is terrible. And uh, so he was like, okay, what are we watching here? And he went, the same, he went through the same progression as I did. And when uh, he said, is Kurt Russell going to do this John Wayne impersonation throughout the entire movie? And I was like, yes, yes, he is. He was like, okay, this movie's awesome. Especially he's walking around with that lipstick smear on his face. And it was still there. Yeah, the movie gets more and more ridiculous, but it works to the T. Um, and I liked it. <laughs> you know, the one thing that I liked, and it's because uh, I had to go to San Francisco a few times for work, and where I was was near Chinatown. And so when we would walk around, like one of the main premises is you see all these doors where people come in and out and it's just kind of a little tiny door. And you wonder like, what is behind that door? It looks like there's nothing. And so it's fun to imagine that you open the door and you go into this supernatural world that goes on for miles and miles. And 
full of ghosts. The ancient magic of China <laughs> is, is housed yes. deep under. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it is, there's a reason he made Escape from New York and Kurt Russell was on board. Same reason he did uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Unfortunately, it was a bust in the yeah. box office. It's a big bust. Yeah. But it's got a huge cult That's following. Me. That was me saying, don't go see this. You <laughs> you were that. standing in front of the movie theaters. <laughs> Steer clear. Run for your lives. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, um, that's another, like the thing, you know, this movie seems that yeah, it was it was a flop, but I feel like it's definitely um, I mean, this movie lost money. That's really. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I feel like it's more than made it back because just people are like, no, this movie is it's it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that it's awesome. Yeah. Okay. And, and no better person to play the lead role than Kurt Russell. Certainly at that time. I mean, come yeah, on. he owns it. He absolutely with, owns it. He's walking around in those ridiculous muscle shirts with a semi-automatic weapon. And yeah. The only person that could even touch it, Nicholas Gage. <laughs> oh, don't take that from me. I only want <laughs> Kurt Russell. No, Kurt Russell was the perfect, was the perfect role. But again, I just love the absurdity of it. Yeah. All right. Really quick. What's the better movie? Escape from New York or Big Trouble in Little China? Uh, I, I'll i go first here. I'm going to say Big Trouble in Little China. I, I had a lot more fun watching it. Yeah. Len? <laughs> I cannot answer because I've just taken a cyanide tablet. <laughs> Which poo-poo platter do you enjoy? <laughs> All I right. like either of them. I'd probably go Big Trouble slightly. Okay. Uh, I am going to go with Big Trouble in Little China, too. Yeah, it was the it was the bad guy. James Hong is the, you know, he, who's been in a million movies. He was okay. just the ultimate. It was kind of like a superhero movie, you know? It was kind of like these fantastical spirits, and it was great. <laughs> He's yet again creating genres. I uh, He really was. I liked Big Trouble in Little China because... Basically, just because it's fast, I feel it's faster paced. Yeah. Than yeah. Escape from New York. Um, and if you haven't seen it, see it. Do yourself a favor. Or, or don't see it and do yourself a favor. <laughs> we don't listen to Len. He has never seen a single episode of Miami Vice. <laughs> Can't trust someone like that. <laughs> the last movie we will do is. This is Declan, our sound engineer's favorite John Carpenter movie, They Live. Oh, yeah. Starring Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. Keith David and Meg Foster. And this movie is like kind of like sci-fi horror. Um, talk about paranoia to the nth degree. It is hard to put a genre on this movie. Did you watch it, Len? I did. I did. This was the first one my staff and I watched in a windowless room <laughs> in complete silence. And? And I think this is 
might be the ultimate Carpenter movie because it shows all his a lot, so a lot of his good stuff and also a lot of his bad stuff. Mm, right. Because first of all, Rowdy Rowdy Piper is awful. <laughs> he is terrible. And there's stuff. I'll go with the bad stuff because overall, I, I liked it. I thought it was entertaining. Yeah. But the bad stuff. They make a huge deal at the beginning about Rowdy Rowdy, Rowdy Piper's backpack full of tools. They mention it like two or three times, and then nothing comes of it. I got tools in there. <laughs> and they just dismiss it. Never. <laughs> but he never like uses Showing a gun at the beginning of the movie and never using it. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what was the deal with the backpack full of tools? <laughs> and also... It's a real short movie, which helps the entertainment value. It's only like an hour and a half. But there's a fight between him and Keith David that goes on forever. Mm -hmm. Where he's trying to get Keith David to put the sunglasses on. Yeah. It feels like it's four hours long. I'm just like, just put the sunglasses on. Just right. put the sunglasses on. Right. But the whole... Oh, and let's, let's continue with the bad. Meg Foster is also awful in this. She's not. Uh, she's not good at. She that. is like glazed over. I think they cast her for her eyes because she kind of has alien-looking eyes. Right. Yeah. But she isn't an alien. She's just goes. She's just like, well, just go along with it. You're not gonna be able to stop it. But it is. It's. It is really entertaining, and it's a really cool idea. But it. It also feels totally low budget. Yeah. Nothing. But it works because I think the idea of it's so cool. Like. All these aliens are are amongst us, but you don't know it. Right. And it's got that political thing underneath. <laughs> Somebody, I read, I read a review of it and they're like, oh, this was propaganda for the 1988 election. <laughs> like people were watching They Live and going, oh, well, I know who I'm voting for now. <laughs> this has solved my dilemma. I'm going to vote for George W. I mean, not George W. George H. Bush, or I'm going to vote for Dukakis. It's just yeah. really that's what you read into watching this movie, right? But it does it does have that interesting element to it, and except for the four hour fight scene, it is paced pretty well. Yeah, I think the movie kind of loses its way a little bit. Um, you know, once the glasses are discovered and they, he knows that you know, these are aliens and he's trying to get Keith David on board, it kind of loses its way all the way to the end, I feel like. Or it, like, because before it was like, oh my God, this is like terrifying mm -hmm. and depressingly timeless. Mm -hmm. um, and then just kind of falls apart towards the end. So I, because I, I, when I was, First watching, I was like, this is a great movie. This is a great movie. Yeah, it kind of fell apart. So, and when, so it went from great to good. Yeah. It's, it's like a three-star movie. Yeah. but It's a good, it's a good like, entertainment and it's got something to it. I agree. And of all his plots, of all the movies, like this is the one that could be made tomorrow. Yeah. You know, as far as the, the, the subject matter. Yeah, it's and, like. It's like V, what later became V. Remember the television <laughs> series V? Yes. That They're was among us. So They're much. friendly. It's fine. Oh, no. Yeah, but I think the uh, it has these, like, 
overly simple, simplified concepts like, oh, just put on these sunglasses and suddenly you see everything. Like that's apparently that's all it is, but the world's been living, you know, under the covers of, of this the whole time. There's no better person to star in a like it's got this big idea behind it, but it he executes it in in his typical simplified manner. All the elements that you find in an Escape from New York, like Rowdy Roddy Piper, is a ridiculous hero. He's ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. and but hey, that's did you that, know that he had a backpack full of tools? Yeah, but that's he never used part it? of. But that's part of like the the movie he's trying to create like i feel like it's all very intentional because he's delivering this experience that is uh, you know he's he's not trying to overcomplicate the plot with you know rich characters development that's not john carpenter's mo it's never his i feel like (laughs) rowdy he's he's always holding the sunglasses like make sure the camera gets it <laughs> i'm holding the sunglasses like this <laughs> those of you who have the video feed will get what i'm saying yeah. jag bags diamond listeners will. you need to be a jag bag diamond listener to see the video you get to see my amazing pantomimes yeah we'll unlock unlock those clips <laughs> shots of the studio audience as well uh, um and why did meg, meg foster <laughs> throws throws him out a window and then he's like in love with her i did not see that coming at all yeah it's almost like there are scenes where maybe she tried to be a little little too um expressive he's like let's do this again i want less emotion from you just stare blankly just stare blankly alley imitation (laughs) Uh, yeah but like I said, I enjoyed it though, despite all those flaws. I enjoyed it. I think it's like I enjoyed it you know, all the more because of those flaws. It's sort of like this movie is like once again, this is ridiculous. Like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like the I want to call it the B movie part of him. This is a B movie. Escape from New York is a B movie. Yeah. From what you guys described, Assault on Precinct 13 sounds like a B movie. I so think there they're is. all B movies. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the king of B movies. Right. Starman's probably the closest thing he had to a an A movie. An A A well, and then he in movies that we're not going to talk about, you know, uh, which would be like the ghosts of Mars and uh the ward. Vampires. Pro- yeah, things, yeah, vampires, which not that we need to spend time on it, but I loved the concept of it. It was a Western about vampires, which I don't think anyone had ever done before. Right. It's not a good movie, but (laughs) you know, he's, he's taking risks and uh, I, I, I appreciate that. They'll never talk about one other Carpenter movie. Did you guys see memoirs from an invisible man? Yes. Never. I really liked that movie and the critics destroyed it. I think, I think Ebert liked it. But it's Rotten Tomatoes rank is 24%. <laughs> I liked it. I'm like, yeah. I thought it was good. Well, and Len, you know, when you look at all the other movies you didn't like, maybe <laughs> that uh, would tell have 80% ratings. We'll, 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 like we'll let be, the listeners make their own decisions. <laughs> like to be contrarian. <laughs> nah. 
I'm just honest. I'm just honest. Yeah. What else can you be? Yeah, yeah I love it. I love it. I'm gonna have to have uh, another screening with my staff. Maybe I'll I'll call them in after the podcast. We can watch the Chevy Chase classic. Uh, <laughs> Let's okay, finally uh, get into some good carpenter flicks. Yeah, let them out of the crawl space for a little while longer. Yeah, um, uh, we call that the thinking area. Sorry, it's not a crawl think- space. I apologize. The thinking area. <laughs> Why don't you go in there and think for a little bit? Well, the product exactly. <laughs> You know management tactics, right? The, recha- the, the recharging room. Yes. So when they're very recharge. good, very good, Beef. You're you're pretty good at corporate speak, also. Refocus. <laughs> get centered in darkness. In, in prison, they call it solitary confinement. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little harsh. Prison has its good things. Yeah, it's it's basic, <laughs> just basic, uh, you know, existence. Yes. And reflection. Yeah. There you go. Look, you have you food, go. you have a shelter. Hey, when Gene Wilder went to solitary confinement and stir crazy, he came out a changed man. <laughs> That's the That's lot. what influenced my manager style. Yeah. Find your inspiration. <laughs> I'll be back in two days. <laughs> Hashtag logic. <laughs> well, we want to thank our guest, Matt Byer, for appearing on this outstanding episode of jag bags and the look at john carpenter matt and uh thanks once again always a pleasure to see you on the jag bags thanks matt len mike always a pleasure thanks for having me on i can't wait to hear how this one outperforms the rest <laughs> it'll be tough to top red rifle with but. my midas touch <laughs> my midas we'll touch. talk about it regency's next dinner I'm going to go reflect in my solitary room and wait for inspiration. Exactly. There you go, man. He's learning. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. I I always enjoy it. All right. Thanks again. And everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Please follow us on social media channels. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Please follow us there. Please subscribe to us. We are available on pretty much every podcast platform out there. Please write us a review if you are so inclined. Make it hashtag JagBags. And thanks once again for tuning in and telling a friend or five. Your kind words are our best form of advertising. And when you're ready to listen, put a little JagBags in your ear. <laughs>